You know when you said it went well? Well, when you said well, did you mean shite? Yes. I froze up. I just made a tit of myself. How much of a tit? I said girl power. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark and joining me on today's episode is a huge, huge guest. This is absolutely unbelievable and I'm so, so glad that I'm getting to announce this for episode 30. When I started the Mark and Me podcast, this person was top of my list. Anyone that knows me and knows of my other podcasts, Skip to the End, will know how much of a fan of Spaced I am. In my opinion, the best British comedy of all time. Absolutely incredible. And hey, my other podcast is called Skip the End, so that indicates just how much I love this. So I can't believe I'm going to be actually joined by Jessica Hines. Daisy herself will be on today's show. If you've seen Shaun of the Dead, if you've seen The Royal Family, films like Bridget Jones and of course Spaced, you will know how good this actress is. One of the best in the business and in my opinion one of the best characters of all time in Spaced absolutely mind-blown and someone that you will fall in love with within minutes of watching her on screen. I can't believe that I've actually got her. It's taken a while, I'm not going to lie, so since we started Mark and Me, it was top of my list and it's been a lot of emails and exchanges and getting it right, but hey, everything that is great is always worth waiting for and that's proved today when I've joined by Jessica. Before we get into today's episode in more detail, what I want to talk about a little bit is the last episode with John Hedder. An absolutely amazing actor and one of my favourite characters is Napoleon Dynamite. So again, it was another dream come true to have him join me on the Mark and Me podcast. The response to this episode was mind-blowing. I've never had so many comments on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram saying how much you all enjoyed this interview. How natural it was and how funny it was. And yeah, I read all the comments and seeing stuff like how natural we both sounded and that we were two mates that have hung out and known each other forever... It's the best indication for me that I'm doing it right and the best indication that you're loving the episodes and that's what I do it for. To read those comments makes my day so thank you everyone for taking the time to listen to that episode and just taking the time to leave a comment or a tweet or a Facebook comment. It really did make my day reading those. But on to today's episode. When I started Mark and Me I had a list of guests I wanted. Obviously people like Kevin Smith, Anthony Hopkins, Kurt Russell all the big names, but before any of them, Spaced was my big priority. I've always wanted to speak to Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg and Jessica Hines, so to have one of those join me today is honestly such a big deal for me and personally I'm just absolutely thrilled. So let's get into today's episode, here's my interview with me and Jessica Hines. So Jess, my first question for you today is, how did it come about in your life that you started acting? I had um. Um, a really great teacher when I was at primary school who used to put on a lot of plays. And um, it was a time, you know, before, uh, you know, kind of Ofsted. So it was was the good old days or the bad old days, depending on how you want to look at it. And um, 
yeah, she and this other teacher used to write plays and put music to them and create shows and you you know we'd sometimes do two show, two shows in just in the little school hall in my primary school in Brighton and she just was a real enthusiast for drama and performance and um, I think in the workshops and things she did she noticed that I was um, kind of quite sort of enthusiastic I suppose you could say that yeah um, we um, yeah so we used to do all these plays and she was really complimentary and and said lots of things that I remember and actually I went out I think last year late last year I went and saw her down at Brighton and we went out for lunch and had a catch up I just always remembered her and kind of kept in touch with her I, I mean I look back and she would she would write a play and I would have these huge kind of comic roles you know she, she I was like we did a we did a we did a production of um, The Emperor's New Clothes yeah and she wrote me this really camp role, and I remember it. it was this character called Harkworth, who would sort of rush around after the king, you know, fawning over him. And um, and I loved it. And I just she, you know, I think she just thought I knew I would know how to make it funny and know what to do. And I didn't even think about it, but I, I did, and I loved it. And then I think at that point it just sowed the seed of it. You know, I just sort of thought this is this is a good plan. This is a plan. This is a life plan. <laughs> And so that seemed like a good one. So it really started with the acting. Anyway, um, so I didn't do much in secondary school. Um, there was a bit of drama, but not much. But there was a drama class that was local. I got into that. There was a great teacher. And I used to go there sort of very much independently. I was very much a sort of kind of an 80s kid where, you know, if I wanted to do something... It, it wasn't the era where parents drove you around. I didn't. That, that's not what was in my experience of childhood. It's like if you want to do it, do it. Get on the bus. Go and find out where it's happening. Go and do it. Make it happen. So I, I think I had a very sort of make it happen for yourself attitude. Um, so yeah, and that was the beginning. And as a result of the drama class that I got, I, I was a part of. I then became a part of the National Youth Theatre, and the teacher suggested that I audition. So from the age of eleven to thirteen, I was at this drama group. And then she said, audition for the National Youth Theatre. And I did that. I got in um, when I was 14, actually. Then after that, it happened quite quickly, to be honest, in terms of actually getting an agent. I don't know when I really decided I wanted to write to. Um, I know I loved TV and I loved film. And then when I joined the National Youth Theatre, I kind of also loved theatre as well. But I used to watch a lot of TV as a child and films. and So I somehow knew I wanted to be you know, involved in that in some way. Was there a certain film growing up or a certain actor or some TV show that gripped you that made you really kind of fall in love with it? I was indiscriminate in my watching. I watched everything, like, all the time. And because the TV was slightly, was obviously a lot, was obviously completely different, you begin to know what you think is good and know what you think is bad. By watching good and bad, you, you formulate a taste. You begin to, you know, just through the sheer sort of, the, the viewing and, and perception and, and the, 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 the amount that you do, you begin to understand how things are put together. And when things are put together well, why you like it, and then when they're not put together well, why well, you don't like it. But I would almost decide, ah, I, I would watch literally anything. I mean, from championship snooker, like, all the way through to sort of... <laughs> you know, it was almost screams more than anything. Just, just was very happy to escape. But also music as well. So records and... I was just very voracious when it came to absorbing TV or pop culture, I suppose, then. I mean, it wasn't as 
pop culture as it is now maybe wasn't quite the same, but I suppose it, it, it was a, an olden days version of it. I just was voracious about it, listening and watching and getting into things. So it was everything. Yeah. And, 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 and then, I mean, I, I, suppose I, I remember the different stages of my childhood. I remember different shows that I used to really love. But I, I liked all of them, all the classics. You know, Monkey, obviously, which was one of my very favourites, which was mind-blowing. I mean, that was like, I think when I started wanting to write, I, I felt like I wanted to do something that was like that in terms of its impact. And the way it just was like, unlike anything else, it was so bold. You know, the sort of title sequence, the story of him kind of coming to Earth, the, the visuals, you know, the amazingly bad, good special effects and visuals. It was just, it felt like such a gift. It felt so special. It felt like a kind of tiny movie yeah. on TV which actually for kids who do, don't have access to films in the way that people do now, felt like someone was going to the extra mile for you, you know? Yeah. Because obviously a lot of kids' tea was... I, I was not particularly into Blue Peter, for example. I would watch it, you know, anything studio-based always seems very simple and, like... But when something like Monkey comes along, it's just mind-blowing and, and, and something that extra special could be on television and not because things like that are normally on on the big screen and on on especially in those days you know or on film so that that definitely made a massive impression on me monkey so when you um turned around to your parents and you kind of i don't know about you but for me going into creative arts for some parents that's not the thing they always want you know they they kind of think it's a bit of a risk were they supportive were they oh god i mean yeah i mean it's again I, I was a product of very much just do it. Yeah. yeah what do you want to do? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you know, like, again, it was it was do it to the best of your abilities and just do it with, with all your passion and all your all your determination, just do it. But, I mean, I don't even remember having that conversation. That was something that was a given. Probably something I learned from TV as well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when. I mean, there's so much TV you've done, but stuff like Harry Enfield and Six Pairs of Pants and Asylum and yeah. stuff, they're... They're such iconic shows, and growing up for me, watching Harry Enfield was like the the weekly entertainment. That and Bottom and stuff were the classics. What oh were, yeah! It's what was it like being on Harry Enfield? Because it, it was oh, it was amazing, unbelievable. It was like when I first did it, it was I, I was very starstruck meeting him. You know, all of those comedy greats. When I met Dawn French, when I met Jennifer Saunders, it was it was it was amazing for me. And and being on Harry Enfield was brilliant. He him and Paul Whitehouse. That, that was the thing that everyone would talk about at school the next day and do impressions of and try and emulate and you know as performers aspire to be so yeah it was amazing working with him he's, he's a, a lovely lovely person and then I just mentioned Asylum so this was this the first time you met Edgar Wright and this is the first time you kind of got to see how he no I met Edgar Wright before then sometime not quite before then um, I met Edgar Wright when I did a sketch for Matt Lucas and David Williams, when when they were making um, sketches called A Puppet Lives in My House, it was a sort of prototype. I think it was like prototype uh, Little Britain uh, sketch show that they did. But they were doing par- they were parodying the sort of old style American shows, and they wanted me to play some characters in the show. And I did it. And Edgar was directing those little sketches for them. One of them was Puppet Lives in My House, and then I think something else. But he was he was. He was directing that, so that's when I met Edgar. Separately, then met Simon doing Six Foot of Pants. I don't think Simon had met Edgar then. No, it was coincidence then, but then when Simon finished Six Foot of Pants and went on to, to Asylum, that Edgar was then directing that. 
um, and that they had then both worked with me, Edgar through Matin Days and Simon through Six Fitter Pants. Somebody had dropped out of Asylum a comic. They were looking for someone else and Simon suggested me and Edgar said, oh, yeah, I know I've worked with, with her through David and then I came on board to Asylum then. Obviously this led to, in my opinion, the greatest British comedy of all time, Spaced. <laughs> it re- oh, well. I can hear your head growing as I say it, but it's true. There's oh, nothing else as fresh so, yeah. as this. It was, it's it great. It was great to be that young making something like that, conceiving that, at, you know, at such a young age. I was 24, you know, thinking about that and, and thinking there's nothing on TV that's like fast, you know, it needs to be amazing. And you're so ambitious, you know, when, when you're young, you don't, you don't think about, you don't think about the limitations too much. Like, you know, you don't think about, you know, you don't think about the how, you just sort of just go for it. And so it was great making something at the age at which pretty much I was, you know, in the show, you know. It must be quite yeah. weird because obviously you're involved in it, you're writing it, you're acting in it, but did you realise while you were filming it with Edgar and Simon and everyone else that you were making something so bloody good? To be honest, I that, that's definitely what, what, what the intention was, yeah. I mean, that was, that was the goal. Again, it was like... In a way, with Monkey, it was like, let's make something. I want to make something that's like a gift, you know, that's like better than, that, that's not lazy or kind of like complacent or, or you know, that, that is, 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 is as possibly as brilliant as it can possibly be, you know, in all ways that looks brilliant and is brilliant and, 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 and is different and, and truthful as well. I mean, you know, that reflects a, a, a truth of, of, of our lives at that time which was all about, you know, shared houses and friendships and bad jobs and 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 going out and um but and 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 identity and and um belonging and and and, all, and love and all of those things, you know, that we were all going kind of going through that I, you know, I felt it would be really good to try to reflect and put on television. You know, that was the impulse, that was the, that was the instinct. I'm I'm just saying this as a viewer. It must have felt for me, that it never felt like work. Every day that you went on set must have been mm-hmm. some of the best days of your lives. It must. Have well, been. it's funny you say that. My situation was I had my first son something like three months, maybe four months before we filmed the first series. So my son was four months old when we filmed the first series of Space. I had son Gabriel when I was twenty-five, and I was pregnant through the writing and the finishing the writing of the of the series. And felt very clear-headed and prolific and creative and brilliant in pregnancy. And then when Gabe came along, really, I just wanted to sort of sit and gaze at him. But then what was, this was also happening in my life that I'd worked for and dreamt of and wanted. I had two amazing things going on in my life simultaneously. Two enormous, massive, life-changing things running along completely simultaneously. So the first series of space was when we were filming sometimes 14 hours a day and then I would just go home and be with Gabriel and try and sort of get out with him and be with him and teach him and then get up again at 5.30 or 6 and go and film again all day. So my life was intense, I, I think, is a way of, at that time. And I remember a lot of it, you know, in, in, in great sort of technicolour, but, 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 uh, but I also think I spread myself a little bit too thin. Yeah. Um, so, so I was super, I was kind of on a sort of super charge. It suited me in some ways. It's not something I, I didn't, I couldn't do and I did do, but 
it's that the, the, the two ends of my life, I felt as extreme. On the one hand, I wanted to lie in bed and cradle my newborn baby and just be with him. And then on the other hand, I was going around and doing however many scenes or tapes and filming, you know, squeezing every single second out of every single day to try and get everything, you know, on screen that we'd been dreaming up and wanting to create every day intensively all day so it was it was a, it was a really intense time i have a lot of fun memories but you know it was pretty challenging you know i could have well i thought if i think in my younger days i did tend to i, I packed it in <laughs> i've been speaking to quite a lot of actors and actresses and people and a lot of the people i speak to which always surprises me they don't watch their work back are you one of these people or do you love and enjoy it once it's finished i think i'm looking forward to watching it i've always there's been a couple of opportunities I've had to watch a marathon, and I don't know. It, it's never happened. I've, I've always, I've always, I regret that. I regret not, not not going and watching a marathon. I think I'm probably ready now. I think I'll find it quite emotional. I know my, you know, my son. You know, it might be something I do with my son. He's going to university this year, and I might watch it with him before he goes. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Like sit down and watch your mum on this TV show. You must yeah. be like, that's amazing. Like, I haven't watched it again really all the way through. No. So some of your other key roles, obviously one of the most iconic UK shows for me is Royal Family. I think it's genius yeah, writing. It's great show. It's just absolutely timeless. It's it's up there for kind of only fools and horses for me. I stick on UK Gold or whatever it's called this week and I kind of... Yeah. You can watch an episode again and again. What was it like yeah. working with Caroline? Because she just she seems to be incredible. She was a phenomenal yeah. person. She was so um, clever. Yeah. And so talented and so kind and she was sort of like a superstar I've always thought of her as a bit like Marilyn Monroe I think I've said that before she had that vibe about her really kind of beautiful sort of enigmatic elusive and sort of sensual she was just a really you know she like when she walked in the room it was like oh there's the star you, you were never in any doubt her presence she had an amazing presence a commanding presence and that kind of combined with this razor sharp brain and she didn't miss anything nothing 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 got past her she did have the skill of what wasn't important she was able to ignore what was important or mattered or you know she was interested in she wouldn't but she was a great writer a great person to work with another one that i was kind of um quite surprised by is the fact that you got to go on stuff like bridget jones's diary which is some of the you know biggest films out there does that sometimes kind of is it quite hard to get your head around the fact that you're on these TV shows and these you know the, these all these different varieties of comedy but then you went in kind of a more serious role but the, the budget and this, the production value and everything on a film like Bridget Jones must it's be amazing. crazy it's amazing going on those six films like Bridget Jones it, yeah. they are so enormous you know they, they, they're, they're, they're like their own you know they're their own universe like I mean, Bridget Jones in many ways dwarfed by some of the other you know film franchises but you know it, it, it was it is massive and I did Paddington you know I've done which was such a thrill but that has the same feeling it's just like enormous you know effort and incredible um and, and it's always thrilling to be part of that is it a little intimidating or is it you past that now um I think when I was younger and I was on film sets yeah I think I might have found that I might have found it a little bit depending on what I was going through but I think that you know I think especially during those times when you're kind of, I mean, I ended up, I had three children and I, and I always found, 
you know, that adjustment of, of, of getting back into that zone. It's a different headspace. It's a different way of en- being and an energy. And, and, and I love it. It's such freedom. It's childish freedom, that kind of play. And I'm more and more in touch with that now. I think sometimes, you know, you sort of turn up and you're, you feel like you're coming literally from kind of baby land and you're like, I don't, I don't know, I can't, or, you can't orientate you. We're in a huge, and I used to take babies with me as well, but sometimes they'd be squirreled away in a little three-way or, or a little kind of, you know, caravan somewhere with a, with a, with a, with a carer, you know, a nanny or, or a friend, they're young enough and I didn't want to be away from them. And so that, those are times when you feel like this is insane and you feel kind of quite small and disorientated. But then other times, it's, it's amazing. And to be honest, I've never had that big a part in any of those films for me to really feel like I can lord it up. I'm always a bit in awe and just kind of halting at the stars, really. <laughs> but I, I, it's always a thrill. Doing so now that your children are a bit older, you've kind of had the opportunity to step on the other side of the camera. Um, you're currently direct, yeah. you're directing your first yeah, major film, The Fight. That. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit more about The Fight? Because this must be a completely new world for you being on the other side of the camera. I loved every minute of doing it. I, it came about, I'm actually in the process now, we've finished the grade, we've finished the edit, finished the grade, we're just talking, cleaning up the sound, doing the sound, we're, we're, we're hopefully going to, we've hopefully got a, an amazing composer coming on, but we're just working that out at the moment. It was an idea that I'd had a few years ago, and I was lucky enough to meet a financier who was fantastic at championing and budgeting micro-budget films, and I said, oh, I've got an idea, and... I sent her over the idea that was slightly different when I first sent it to her, um, and it was an idea that I'd had, and I tried to picture the film, and then film producer, and she said, oh, I, don't, I, I like it, but these days it's so hard to make films, you know, nobody's making any money in films, why don't you re, re, reimagine it, re-envision it as a, as a TV series, and so I thought, didn't really have a heart for that, so I just shelved it, but then when I got an opportunity to make a film, I thought, actually, maybe that would be a good if I could film it all in, because it was a micro-budget feature, I thought well, I could film it all in the town I live, which would save money. But I can, I can find all the locations, I can find all the extras, and everyone volunteered and got involved. There was this school, we used a school and a lot of people's home and a factory, and everyone was so generous with their time and facilities and businesses, and, 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 and people were so great. So we were able to, you know, make it here, which was amazing. And she, Maggie, who was the, the 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 main producer and who said yes you know said yes in, in literally in March last year and then now we've finished it now so it's taken a year envision it right get it up and running we filmed it in July and then now it's it's kind of done and I I, I had no I kind of felt like I'd been stuck in development hell and doing you know just trying to get things going and everyone had the same experiences even people who appear to be kind of like doing one thing after another will always will tell you for every one thing they do there's ten that they don't you know there's that's just the nature of it it's the, the main requirement I suppose in what we do is massive dissemination and just saying keep going you just keep trying and that doesn't work try something else that doesn't work try it and, and it I suppose it's, I do have that going and keep trying and I and I pitched this idea and she liked it and then I developed it and changed it and honed it and it became something else which I really liked. Initially it was more, perhaps more of a comedy and then it turned very much more into a drama but I like that direction and I love the process of filmmaking and even micro-budget filmmaking where you're basically, you basically made the film in 12 days 
not a long time, but not much money. Um, but I loved the, I loved every part of it. I, I loved the whole thing, and we had really great actors who came along and got a you know, good crew. I had a fantastic DOP, Ryan Edison, who, who did Prevenge, who, who's so good at working at that speed and in that environment, and couldn't have been more supportive and a better champion, you know, on set as a, as for me as a first time director. It was a really positive experience. So we raised, you know, it was hard and, you know, we didn't have any time, but, but we, we did it and it was great. I just wanted to do it again. I, I think I felt like in that moment that I was always, I, I felt very comfortable at the writer director and I felt comfortable doing that and it felt, you know, really, really great. And I'm, I'm, I'm so far, I'm really happy with, with the film. It, it's not a comedy, although we do have a great cameo from Alice Lowe, who came along. But it, but I, but I'm, but I'm proud of it, and I, I'm really, really, really grateful that I, I got a chance to direct and make it. Because a year ago, I completely would, have, I would not have imagined. You know, more than a year ago, before the film happened, I would, I, I would, you said, oh yeah, no, you're going to direct your own feature. Yeah, I'd be like, what? How? And then it, it happened. So sometimes things, sometimes good things do happen. Has <laughs> <laughs> it give you a taste for yeah. it now? Do you want to do you want to do a lot more or have you kind of Yes. Yeah. Yes I do. Yes, I absolutely do. Yes, I do. Always want to do a lot more. Even when I, I don't want to want to do a lot more. I always want to do a lot more, yeah. And have you kind of got a new found respect for film directors you've worked with in the past? Are you just like No, oddly, I'm like the opposite. I'm like, Fuck you know, what's all the fucking fuss about? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I've got. And then I'm like, what I've got new found respect for is actors. It's so weird. Every time an actor turned up on set, you know, whatever time, in costume, saying, okay, where do you want me? I, I felt like I wanted to fall down on my knees in gratitude. Yeah. Like, A, thank you for turning up. <laughs> like, actually being here today <laughs> to film these scheduled scenes, to say and do this charade, I just, thank you. And then when they under pressure and lack of time. They keep trying and searching. And I know the all actors work in a different process, but there's always an element of vulnerability. And however an actor lives their process and does their thing, and they do that, actors do that, you know. And I, that's, I have a newfound respect for actors, myself, I suppose, but other actors as well. But they're so grateful. And, um, and we did get some really lovely performances from everyone, actually. So I just, that's when you're so grateful, because when you're in the edit, I mean, it's not easy editing yourself, because you're like, oh, shut up, when did she do it? Nah, nah, look at her. La, 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 stop, stop, stop it. <laughs> you know, and obviously you're allowed to do that, because it's you you're talking about on screen, but I had a lot, I had a lot of laughs with my editor flagging myself off. Three, <laughs> can you find a moment of truth in that performance? Things like she means what she's saying. Obviously, I, I wouldn't do that to anyone else, but you're always going to be your, your harshest critic it's not a fun experience editing yourself and I'm so glad that while I, we were filming I did cut a lot of my own lines <laughs> thank God and Sophie our lovely continuity person come up and say oh you're not going to say that I said no I'll cut it I'll cut it I'm not going to no, no I'm just looking I'm just looking and um, I'm very grateful for that because actually in the edit those are the bits we're really grateful for is no line you know that's what really can make it better and work because once you've said it, if, if, if all you've got is the words and they're not quite working, it's very difficult to, to get around that. So, yeah, 
it was a it was a it was a, it, it was and continues to be a great experience. And what's the kind of current state? Do you think it's a film that should hopefully get released this year? Um, I hope so. Yeah. I've kind of got you know once we finish it, I suppose we'll see what's going to happen with it. I mean, it, the normal route is festivals and then take it further afield, see what happens. I mean, I I think hopefully it will be released this year. I can't imagine it's going to be too long. You know, we're we're in the last stages. We're in the sound stages. I think it'll be a case of just waiting for the soundtrack. So, yeah, shouldn't be too long. Yeah. And is is Russell Brand involved? He he has kindly given given us his services. I don't want to give away too much. No, that's fair enough. Um, he definitely has. Um, uh, yeah, no, I can. I, I lends us his voice. I mean, he also has a, has he comes on screen very briefly. You have to find Boston. We were trying to sort of find people to play this role and um, I know Russell and I was just well we, we need to get someone you know someone big someone you know blah, blah, blah. and I was saying what about this and I said I could always ask, I could ask Russell Brand and it was literally like kind of needle scratch of a record they were like what? I was like well I could ask Russell they said yes ask Russell because it hadn't you know they got very excited with the prospect that I might call him and say Russell you come come and do this Um. And that he might say yes, and he did. God loved him. God bless him. He did. And I briefly tried to direct him, and he just said, "Jessica, Jessica, Jessica." The only thing that's going through my head is, "Thank you for Jessica. Thank you for Jessica." He said, "Don't try and direct me." I was like, "Yeah, fine. <laughs> Keep on doing what you're doing. It's all fine. Just carry on. Carry on." It was it was great. He's a really really special, nice person. So looking back at your career, you've obviously been in some of the most iconic TV series of all time. You've mm-hmm. been in stuff like. Shaun of the Dead, which is one of the best comedies to come from this country. You've even been involved yeah. in Crystal Maze, which is one of my favourite TV shows growing up. You've kind of ticked all the big boxes, and now you've gone into <laughs> directing films. What What is next for you? Is there anything that you've kind of... You want to tick it off on that list of your kind of life story? Well, gosh, I've never thought about it like that. Now you put it like that. Hang on. No, I... You need to write a book. You I'd need like, to do some poetry. You need to. I'd like to do a comedy. I'd actually like to do a really good comedy film. Yeah. No, I like that's what I'd like to do. And I think I feel like after this film, I felt like I kind of got the, you know, there was a sense of a sort of well, getting it out of my system a bit. It's like you know, directing something which I really wanted to do, and I felt that there's something about the film that was you know, that was in me that was kind of wanting to be made. There were things I was, you know, wanting to explore maybe and I and I felt really happy that I did that and that and and and, and although it's not comedy it brought me back right round to comedy and I'm like I just feel like I want to do comedy now I want to do some, some I want to do anything I want to do something really funny at least what do one funny thing <laughs> somebody laugh once more before <laughs> I do what I just like to I yeah I want to just do more comedy I want to laugh more, and I want to do more comedy. So it's all about—it's all about the laughs, I think. It, it, it took a long while for me to find it, but I just watched Zoolander Two, which I, I thought was hilarious. I'm just like, this is so good. <laughs> it's so funny. I, I love it. I mean, I like a lot of things, but I love Zoolander Two, and I like—I like the tone. I like the comic tone of Thor Ragnarok. But you know, again, I like—I like lots of different things. But uh, yeah, comedy is the thing I think I want to do more of now. Um, I'm kind of get back into that. I, uh, I don't I don't know what people are going to make of the fight. <laughs> I'm proud of it, but yeah, I want to do a comedy now. I've got an idea for a comedy film. So I'm just going to 
I mean, that could be one of the nine, or it could be the one. I don't know. But um, but I'm but I'm going to power on. <laughs> you probably get sick of this, but would you ever feel that you could return to Daisy Steiner, or is that done and buried? Oh, of course, no, Jake. I mean, she's with me all the time. I I love her, and I love you know that 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 time is magical. In in so many ways, it was magical. And as I get older, I get much more sentimental and nostalgic and about lots of things and I, I of course I could return to Daisy Steiner what do you reckon you know, she's doing I, now do you reckon she's got kids with Tim or do you think she's still kind of trying to make a career for herself yeah, I like to think about Daisy I, I think Daisy might be living with a cat somewhere I think Daisy might have a dog I think she might not have had kids I think Daisy might be you know taking a bit of a different route I think Tim probably definitely has I think Daisy might have you know done a bit more travelling and I think she might have done the road less travelled maybe you know, spent a bit of time in a Tibetan monastery, maybe, you know, ice skated, you know, with Inuit. You know, I think she might have had some adventures. <laughs> do you think she's found love yet with somebody else? Or you do know, you think... I think she was probably always going to be finding, looking for herself. Yeah. I don't want to imagine her with somebody else. I don't want her to find a true love with somebody that isn't Tim. It you just... don't want to fight. You don't want to. <laughs> I well, want maybe to... she never does. You know, maybe she's. She's been to everywhere, but she hasn't been to her, maybe. Um, maybe not. But, you know, love love never dies. It shouldn't. You should try and make... And I like to think about having, you know, good like living a life. That was her thing. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, well, I'll just try that. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Perhaps she just yeah, makes a film. Perhaps she goes on. off and just becomes a filmmaker in real life and on as yeah. Daisy. That's, that's the dream. Maybe like, a, like, I think, imagine Daisy, like a kind of female Edward. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yes. Just filming and what kind Brian. Of doing really bad, not quite, not quite hitting the mark documentaries. Your subjects, kind of an extension of journalism. It's a natural graduation, kind of like a sub sub female, <laughs> maybe who only has an internet presence, only has YouTube presence. She makes the films herself and uploads them. So if someone's listening and right now, yeah. Being a YouTube blogger now. Yeah, I can imagine that. So my final question is: a lot of people yeah. listen to the podcast that are about to take a step into either becoming an actor or an actress or they want to get into the industry what is the best advice you can give to anyone that wants to be like yourself and be in films and tv and write just try and have as much fun as you possibly can try and make everything fun don't don't take things too seriously it gets boring doesn't it when it's serious yeah don't 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 fall into that trap Um, and have fun (laughs) as much as possible and then in fact it's always if you're having fun it's always going to be better when it turns into work and whatever you write just have fun so there's my interview and again when you get these big actresses or actors and you've been such a fan of their work there is that slight concern when you have them on the show because you think please don't be horrible or say something that I don't like because you've grown up absolutely loving these people and characters and the respect I have for Jessica doubled after speaking to her she's one of the nicest greatest people I've ever spoken to and I'm so so grateful for her giving me the time and having this interview for you all to listen to so a huge huge thanks to Jessica also one of my friends Holly Payne helped this happen this interview took a long time to get and like I said earlier a lot of emails and a lot of patience but with Holly's help this interview took place and I want to say a massive thanks to Holly Payne I owe you so many drinks next time you're in the country so thank you again Also, I just want to say, and I say every episode, how much I appreciate you all listening. 
The reason this podcast is so good and so successful is because you all take the time to listen and you all send these positive vibes out there on the internet of listen to this and I see the retweets and people promoting and I can't do it all on my own. So to see all of you inputting and kind of sharing these episodes is so, so appreciated and I I love every single one of you. So thank you. Joining me on the episode in two weeks' time is going to be the film director Tom Payton, very famous for, obviously, Redwood and, most recently, Black Sight, which is due out soon. I did tease this and also explain that he would be coming on when I interviewed Mike Beckingham only a few weeks ago, and I'm very pleased to say that this episode will be out in a couple of weeks' time. As always, I need you to get onto the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter, which is all available on markandme.com, And finally, I have got the Patreon running. More people are signing up and I'm around 25% of my first target now. So if you're listening to this and you're one of my supporters on Patreon, thank you. I am going to be surprising you all with some little treats for you very shortly. And I'm getting on there to make sure that you've got updates and all this. But if you're interested, the link is on markandme.com. Even if you just throw me the price of a coffee each month, it all helps in me traveling and getting out there to bring you more content. So... Please check it out. The podcast will always remain free. And again, it's on Spotify, it's on Podomatic, it's on iTunes, it's on Stitcher. Whatever you need, it's all on markandme.com and I hope it's all nice and easy for you all to use. In the meantime, everyone, for the next two weeks, take care, be safe. I love you all and I'll speak to you all again in a couple of weeks' time.